The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What's keeping you from being the best you can be? Whatever the issue, you can clear that obstacle and come out swinging. Welcome to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. On today's show, we will feature guest experts who can bring you the tools and ideas that you need to take the next step to your personal success. Now, here is Dr. Linda Sanicola. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Today, we're going to continue our discussion of love. And today's show is about the beautiful love that moms have for their babies and the wish they have to give their babies a better life and the process of making the dream of a family come true for couples. We're talking about adoption, and my guest is Lola Reynoso. Let me tell you a little bit about Lola. She is a licensed clinical social worker who has worked in the field of adoption Option since 1985. She spent 10 years with the Los Angeles County Department of Children and Family Services Adoptions Division. She worked as a caseworker, placing foster children into adoptive homes as a supervisor and then as a deputy regional administrator. Since 1996, she has worked as an adoption service provider for the state of California and as a birth mother, advocate, case manager, and therapist, traveling all over Southern and Central California to meet birth mother clients. She also works independently in private adoptions, that is, baby adoptions. Lola became interested in social work when, as a child, her parents became foster parents after mom was unable to have more children. They added to their family of four children via foster care and adopted one of the foster children. Welcome, Lola. Thank you. Uh, You know, Lola, it seems like, um, well, I should tell my listeners that Lola and I have worked together together. and sometimes I work with her and do evaluations for birth moms. And uh, when people find out that I do that kind of work, they're always curious about, well, what does that mean and how does that work? And it seems to me that even though adoption is a familiar concept, there are lots of misconceptions about what it is and how it works. Have you found that to be true as well? Yes, Um there are a lot of myths surrounding adoption because people don't really know about it unless they're directly involved in an adoption or if they were adopted or if they know somebody, perhaps have a relative that was adopted. So I would say probably one of the biggest myths um, that people have is that you have to be wealthy to adopt, you have to have lots of money to adopt, you have to be married and all these stringent requirements. And uh, that is not the case anymore. Mm-hmm. As you know, adoptions have changed quite a bit over the decades and for the better mm-hmm. because we've learned over the years that adopt, there's no secrecy in adoption. There shouldn't be any secrecy. Mm-hmm. It's actually a positive, beautiful experience. 
and um, people are talking about it more. It's more commonplace. It's more common than it is uncommon now. Mm-hmm. And um, from the birth mother perspective, a lot of people uh, make the assumption that the birth mothers do not love their babies, and that's why mm-hmm. they're placing them for adoption. Mm-hmm. And that, oh, yeah. Linda, you know, is farthest yeah. from the truth. Oh, absolutely. That's not true. They they desperately love these babies. They absolutely. desperately love them and want the babies to have a good life. And, you know, there, nothing could be further from the truth in my experience. Exactly. And we all know, and if we don't know, we should be aware that it takes a tremendous amount of courage, maturity, and love for a pregnant woman to place her baby at the center of her decision and mm-hmm. say and realize that for many young ladies, you know, the pregnancy is unplanned, number one, mm-hmm. and they just don't have the support in place or they're not in the, it's not the right time in their life to begin to parent a child or another child. And mm-hmm. they realize that. And that takes a lot of maturity it does. And so lots of women feel, when they come to adoption, they feel, they feel guilty, they feel shame that mm-hmm. they're not able to take care of their child. And so we try to restructure this and hopefully allow them to go away from the adoption journey without the shame, without mm-hmm. any guilt, because what they have done is blessed another family that cannot have children. With mm-hmm. the ability to be parents, right, and and that gift that they give those families and those couples is just really—it's so amazing and so beautifully received from from the couples that it's almost hard to put into words. It is, it really is, and many of my birth mothers will tell me. Um, for example, I had a young lady that I uh, saw on Monday, and she said. Um, it makes me happy to make this family happy. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't view it as, as a bad thing. I'm very happy about my ability to give this gift to this family that's unable to have children. And, and I know that I've seen um, some of the birth moms who have just experienced the um, the adoptive couples um, maybe first visit with the new baby and or maybe they've just had the baby for 24 hours or so and and sometimes they are just amazed at how much and how rapidly the adoptive couple falls in love with that little baby. Yes, and that that serves to reassure them that they made the right decision that they pick the right couple um, because, as you said, many times the birth mothers give me that feedback after their child's born and I visit them at the hospital. They'll say, when I saw the look in their eyes when they held their baby for the first time or the adoptive father was crying, I knew that my baby w- is going to have a wonderful life and I don't have to worry mm-hmm. about my child at all. Mm-hmm. And, and so, just the relief that they feel with that. A relief, exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, and what I 
tell my adoptive families and birth mothers is, you know, there are a lot of uh, people involved in one adoption. You know, there are attorneys, there are facilitators, there are social workers, uh, private social workers like me, and then there's hospital social workers that they encounter, there's hospital nurses, there's psychologists, and I tell them this. The most important relationship in this whole adoption journey is the relationship you have with the adoptive family mm-hmm. and the adoptive family's relationship with the birth mother. Right, um, and it's it's really in my again in my experience, it's just really been you know beautiful to see some of that emerge and see uh, how loving people can be. Not only yes. with the baby, but with the birth mother, and then the birth mother with maybe the adoptive mother. Right. Yeah, exactly. it's quite extraordinary. And, and so um, that brings me to another uh, segue about that relationship with the adoptive parents and birth mother that outlives all the relationships um, because the goal is for them to have a relationship for 18 plus years. Mm-hmm. We no longer want birth mothers to have to walk away from the hospital and that be their final goodbye to their child. Right. That's kind of how it was all the time, you know, in the 60s and prior to that, and even the mm-hmm. 70s and 80s. Now, the beauty, what I say, the beauty in private adoption is that the birth mother is voluntarily placing her child. She is the only one that can select the family for her baby. She reviews several family profiles, and she selects maybe two or three of them, and then she may speak to them on the phone, or she may choose to meet them. And then she'll say, "I really." they use the words click, I really clicked with this family. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and then I tell them that it's the future contact is determined by them and the adoptive parents. So that and, means they can decide what degree of openness they want. And they have control now, over that. Exactly. They have mm-hmm. control over that, just as, as it should be. Because, you know, we want them to be as comfortable as they can be with a very difficult decision. Mm-hmm. And we know that adoption is a lifelong process. So, you know, from the moment they realize that they're pregnant and they're not able to parent and they choose adoption, it's something they live with for the rest of their lives. So we want Mm -hmm. them to be at peace with Mm -hmm. their decision, at peace with the adoptive family they chose. And the way they get that peace is to get updates about how their child is. Now, the common, the most common request that birth mothers ask is for photos and updates. And so that they're guaranteed photos every six months, for example. They know that every six months they're going to get an updated photo or many of their child and that that will continue until the child's 18. Mm-hmm. What many now are asking for, and it's been a proliferation, I would say, within the last 10 years, is that they're asking for visits. Oh. And, mm-hmm. and which is... In my opinion, as an adoption social worker for many years in the field, I truly believe that it's the best therapy that adoptive parents can give their birth mother is to allow visitation. Mm -hmm. Now, for many people that aren't 
that just start the adoption process or haven't even thought about it, it freaks them out, basically, when they think mm-hmm. about, oh, my gosh, I have to have visits with the birth mother. Right. I've but, seen that happen, certainly. Yeah, it happens quite a bit. But then families are, you know, when they're educated about how that works, um, they usually come to decide, yeah, we're okay with that. Um, and one of the myths that adoptive parents have is, well, we're afraid that if we allow visitation between the birth mother and the child in us, that the child will be confused. Mm-hmm. And that's just a, you know, a pretty natural response. Mm-hmm. And the way I respond is, the child will only be confused if you're confused. Mm-hmm. The child will only be confused if you present it confusingly. Mm-hmm. But the way we approach it is, it's very structured. If visitations are allowed in adoption, if, if that's something that's okay with the adoptive parents and the birth mother, if that's what they want, then we say, let's go for it. And there's parameters around it. It's not like, you know, showing up on their doorstep whenever they want. It's not that right. at all. It's very limited. It's usually once a year. Mm-hmm. So at least that birth mother knows, you know what? When I leave the hospital after I've given birth, it's not the final goodbye. I get to see him next year. Right. And, and that gives them a great deal of comfort, I'm sure. Tremendous mm-hmm. comfort. Mm-hmm. And, and the adoptive parents are always present for the visit, so it's not a shared custody at all. Right. And that's it's, important for people to know, I think, as well. And maybe we can follow up with some, some more of those ideas when we get back from our break. We're getting okay. ready to take... A short break, and we're going to listen to a little bit of an old tune called Be My Baby that I think is this little snippet is appropriate for our conversation today with Lola Reynoso. We'll be right back. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you happy with your financial life? Or are you like most people, underachieving with your income, working your tail off without the rewards you deserve? Are you going through a boom or bust cycle over and over again, hitting an inner set point? Perhaps you are struggling with the same old issues over and over again. Are your finances a source of peace or stress? Is your money the root of your problems or the path to your freedom and empowerment? If you answered yes to stress and problems, then it's time to ask yourself one more question. What else is possible? Sign up for Dr. Linda Sanicola's six-week Tapping into Wealth Coaching program by visiting drsanicola.com. This program is designed to help you break through your unconscious wealth set points and experience the true freedom, creativity, enthusiasm, and rewards you were meant to have. Get started today at drsanicola.com. That's drsanicola.com. Are you happy in your life, or are you just settling? It's time to speak out, take control of your existence, and let your life speak. Bart Queen is the host of A Hero's Journey. His personal goal is to help you find your voice, use that voice, and live the life that you deserve to live. Do more, be more, and give more. 
Tune in to A Hero's Journey on the Voice America Empowerment Channel live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. You owe it to yourself to tune in and make your voice count. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. If you want more information about Dr. Sanicola or our program, please visit DrSanicola.com. Again, that's DrSanicola.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everybody. We are visiting today with my guest, Lola Reynoso, and she is a social worker who is an expert in adoptions, and she's an adoption service provider. She's helping us understand the whole process of adoptions and kind of demystifying it for us. And, you know, I I had a thought as we went to break, Lola, about you were talking about visitations and how that's structured and how that works. And it, it must be that, that the Internet has changed some of that because when I think about Skype or FaceTime or those kinds of things, that yeah. must make a difference for people as well. It, it does, and it, and it can be in a very positive way because it actually makes communication easier mm-hmm. uh, and more convenient. So say, for example, I'm going back to the example of birth mother's I'm asking for visitation and the adoptive parents being okay with that. If it's a situation where the families live in different states mm-hmm. and visitation isn't convenient or it's too expensive, then they might um, opt for a Skype visit. Mm-hmm. And, um, and again, when we talk about visitation, it's, it's very structured. It's not, you know, whenever she wants to visit, she can. No, it's structured in that the adoption attorneys will construct a contract. It's called an after uh, adoption agreement, and it's signed by the birth mother. It's signed by the adoptive family. So everybody knows going forward how that open adoption is going to work Mm -hmm. so that if they agree on visits once a year, that's what will happen. The birth mother has to initiate that contact, she has to uh, ask request for her visit at least a month in advance, and they mm. decide mm-hmm. where it's going to take place, uh, how long it's going to be, and again, adoptive parents are always present for a visitation with the birth mother and the child. It's not a shared custody. Mm-hmm. Birth mother doesn't pick up the child and have them for the weekend and return the child. Mm-hmm. It's not that at all. And I bet that and, gives a lot of people a great deal of comfort. Yeah, exactly, because that's what they think of when it's visitation is, oh, my gosh, I have to let my child go for the weekend Mm -hmm. or the week. No, not at all. It's very structured. And if the birth mother, like I said, um, is unable to finance her trip to the visit because it is her responsibility to finance her trip if it's going to be a visit, um, the Internet, Skyping, FaceTime, or just a mere phone call, sometimes will take the place of an actual face-to-face if they're not able to make that. And, and my experience is that there are a lot of um, adoptive couples that do live in another state. Is that fairly common? It's very common because 
you know, the populations vary from state to state. And California, with the large population that we have, we, we tend to have more birth mothers than uh, some other states, most other mm-hmm. states. Mm-hmm. So we have many families that come from all over the country to be matched to birth mothers here in California. And uh, in terms of the Internet and how that's changed adoption, now we're finding, you know, before the Internet was commonplace, a birth mother who was a young lady who was pregnant, unplanned, and wanted assistance with finding a family would go to the Yellow Pages, Mm. okay? And she'd go and look under A for adoption, and she'd find adoption attorneys and call an adoption attorney. And that adoption attorney would have several profiles, several families that they're working with that are waiting to adopt, and the birth mother would go through the list of families and choose. Now, birth mothers go onto the Internet, and mm-hmm. they're finding many times their own families on their own. Wow. And, and it's not in California. If they're from California, it could be anywhere. So sometimes they're creating their own match. And then sometimes the, the match is created by an out-of-state attorney or out-of-state facilitator. Mm-hmm. And they still would have to have contact with someone such as yourself or an agency or an attorney in California to... Uh, facilitate that process, would they not? Correct, yes. And uh, it it could be an agency adoption, um, which is birth mother relinquishing her rights to the agency and the agency relinquishing that right to the family. Um, Or it could be a private adoption, which is what we call here independent adoption. And what is usually the first point of contact for birth moms? First point of contact um, is usually an adoption attorney or facilitator. Okay. And uh, they will meet with them. Ideally, they would meet with them face-to-face, but sometimes that's not possible. So they may do a lot of communication via Internet, via telephone call. And then someone like me, as an adoption social worker, will do a comprehensive assessment with that birth mother about her particular situation to see if adoption is what she truly wants. So in California, for example, about 20 years ago, the law changed that put into place an advocate for the birth mother Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. prior to that there was no particular advocate for her. It was just an adoption attorney that represented the adoptive parents and a birth mother. Oh, dear. So so the law changed in a very positive way that put into place her own advocate. So my role is to make sure this is really what she wants to do, that she has thought about all the alternatives to adoption, parenting, family placement, temporary placement somewhere else until she might be ready. Um making sure that she knows what all her rights are and that she's considered all her options before coming to this adoption choice. Um, Making sure that, for example, if she's a young girl, that she's not being pressured by her family or her parents to place her baby, Mm -hmm. that it's truly her decision. Mm -hmm. And uh, do you find that is common, that the family might try and pressure 
the young woman to place the baby? It's not. It's um, honestly, in the last 21 years that I've been doing private adoption, I've probably had less than five young ladies that I've encountered who feel pressured by their families. Mm-hmm. And what so do you think the most common obstacle is for the, for the young ladies? To, for what? As they begin to walk through the process, is it, is it that um, they're afraid or, you know, they need to be educated on some of those myths that you mentioned? Or, you know, is it that their families are not supportive? Or, or what, would you, what yes. would you say is the most common? The most common barrier would be if their families do not support their adoption decision. Yeah. Okay. And especially if they live in the family's home and the parents are saying, don't do this, we're going to help you. That's a big red flag. And Mm -hmm. so if that's the situation, you know, we let the adoptive family know this is a high-risk adoption because the family does not support her decision. Mm -hmm. And she's under their roof. They could apply pressure and make it very difficult for her to go forward. Right. Similar to that is... um, the birth father's position. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the birth father is involved and he is not in agreement with the adoption. And he will also apply pressure to say, no, let's try to raise our baby together. Mm-hmm. And when we come to the birth and the actual placement, in the, the small percentages of adoptions that don't go forward, which is another myth. A lot of people think, oh, you know, half of the time the birth mothers change their mind. No, mm-hmm. that's not mm-hmm. true. It's less than 5%. Yeah. I, I, in my experience, I think in however many years I've been doing some of this work, maybe 15 years, I've had maybe two uh, not go right. forward. And it's usually for those reasons. It's because her family is not in agreement or the birth father is not in agreement, and that would make it very difficult for her to go forward. Mm-hmm. So really it comes down in many ways to emotional support. Whatever path she chooses to take, you know, she needs to have some kind of support emotionally to move forward uh, in whatever way she chooses. Yes, it's very important to, ha- to have support. And unfortunately, we have many birth mothers that do not have support, who do this alone, mm-hmm. who keep their pregnancy confidential or hidden, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who choose not to share their adoption with their family or loved ones because they feel that they're going to be judged. And uh, just this past weekend, I had a young lady in Orange County who nobody knows about her adoption. She didn't mm-hmm. know she was pregnant. She didn't show. Her stomach did not get big. She lives with her mother. Her mother didn't know. And she goes thinking that she had a hernia, and the emergency department tells her, you're pregnant and you're giving birth today. Wow. And so she went through this whole thing by herself, and the only people that know about her adoption are the adoption facilitator, the attorney, the hospital, the adoptive parents, and me. Yeah. And this is her choice, you know, and we... we, Mm -hmm can't, you know, persuade her other way, you know, we have right. to support whatever journey she chooses and whoever she chooses to tell or not to tell. 
Right, right. And and I know, um, you know, as we're getting ready to take another break, and maybe we can um, talk a little bit more when we come back from the break about the challenges that there are in in practical resources, not just emotional support, but there's a huge, huge demand for practical resources as you, you know, choose to raise a child. So, as I say, perhaps when we get back, we can touch on that. And we're going to listen a little bit more of Bette Midler's Be My Little Baby. And we'll be right back with Lola Reynoso. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Are you happy with your financial life? Or are you like most people, underachieving with your income, working your tail off without the rewards you deserve? Are you going through a boom or bust cycle over and over again, hitting an inner set point? Perhaps you are struggling with the same old issues over and over again. Are your finances a source of peace or stress? Is your money the root of your problems or the path to your freedom and empowerment? If you answered yes to stress and problems, then it's time to ask yourself one more question. What else is possible? Sign up for Dr. Linda Sanicola's six-week Tapping into Wealth Coaching program by visiting drsanicola.com. This program is designed to help you break through your unconscious wealth set points and experience the true freedom, creativity, enthusiasm, and rewards you were meant to have. Get started today at drsanicola.com. That's drsanicola.com. When is the last time you saw sparkles of life in your day? Each day holds a treasure, the extra in the ordinary. It is too easy to miss them because they're familiar and we take them for granted. If you want to add sparkle to your day, listen to Mighty Gems, spotlighting everyday jewels with Dee Lee. She offers a new way to view the world and to discover your own mighty gems in daily life. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. If you want more information about Dr. Sanicola or our program, please visit drsanicola.com. Again, that's drsanicola.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking today with Lola Reynoso, who is an expert in adoptions in California. And um, I, I wanted to follow up, if we may, uh, Lola, about the whole concept of, of support and the different kinds of support that are necessary. And we were talking a bit about emotional support. And that's certainly critical. You know, if they can have that from the family and from their loved ones, that's great. But not everybody can. Right. And, and so they need you know, they need maybe follow-up afterwards, or how does that generally work? So in, in California, for example, 
a birth mother has um, many rights to this process, and one of them is her right to grief counseling with any therapist of her choice. And it's to be paid for by the adoptive parents. Mm-hmm. So that's put into place. However, very few birth mothers take advantage of that resource for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Just the stigma behind therapy, the logistics about getting to a therapist's office, because, mm-hmm. as you know, Dr. Sanicola, the birth mothers have such limited resources. Right. Um, usually don't have their own car, maybe mm-hmm. won't, are not close to public, public transportation, and uh, limited financial resources, obviously, um, no employment. But the adoptive parents do pay for the counseling, but very few actually attend therapy uh, mm-hmm. post-placement because of the hardship in, in getting there. Mm-hmm. So another thing that we offer is peer support, which is more practical, more reachable, as you said, mm-hmm. in that I can put a birth mother in text contact, Facebook contact, email contact, telephone contact with another woman who has walked in her shoes. Mm-hmm who has placed the baby for adoption. And I'm guessing that's really powerful for her, really powerful, and, and much more doable in, in the sense of um, the resource that it takes. They need a phone, and almost, I think almost everyone, that, certainly that I've seen in that process, they have a phone. They may not have a computer or, you know, a laptop or a car or whatever else it may be, but almost everyone has a phone. Yes. And, and, and so, um, there's also, like on Facebook, for example, there's a birth mother support group on Facebook. Oh, wow. Okay. And, um, I've, you know, I see women chatting and things like that, and that kind of brings together women of different ages, different eras, because, of course, adoptions in the 1960s are so different than they are now. Right. And the birth mothers who have visitation and openness... Um, are kind of envied by the birth mothers of the past that never had that. Right, right, right. And and I think any of those kinds of contact, even a Facebook group, does a lot to reduce the sense of aloneness that uh, can come for the birth moms as they go through this process. Exactly. And like you said, it's very powerful to be able to talk to someone who, who's been in her shoes, who's been there, mm-hmm. who's experienced those pains of longing, those pains of separation um, on certain days, for example. Mm -hmm. So we think of holidays that typically are happy days for families, but for birth mothers, sometimes holidays are harder. Mm -hmm. For birth mothers, Mother's Day is difficult. The child's birthday is difficult. Mm -hmm. But if they have contact with the family and their child via photos, updates, perhaps visitation, it's not as, as traumatic. It's not as painful those particular days. Mm-hmm. But if it is, it's good to be able to, for them to be able to just call somebody or text somebody to say, hey, I'm having a hard day. How did you deal with that? Mm-hmm. So another birth mother can share how she deals with, with certain feelings of grief and loss. And that, you know, again, I think that's probably so powerful because 
and I don't I don't know if it's you know it's just the select group of ladies that I see because um, I don't see the the whole spectrum of women who are choosing to make a, an adoption agreement for their babies, but the ones that I do see um, seem to have a very severe lack of resources, very severe, and and that undoubtedly has to contribute to their decision-making. Yeah, and that's why they come to choose adoption, because mm-hmm. they are typically unemployed, mm-hmm. have no or very little income, have very little or no family support. The birth father typically is not involved with them anymore once they find out they're pregnant. Mm-hmm. They have don't usually have a residence of their own, definitely mm-hmm. not a car. So, yes, these women are in, in you know, very oppressed situations. Yes. Yeah, very oppressed. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's heartbreaking to hear um, their circumstances that are caused by whatever reason. I mean, that's, you know, there could be a number of reasons why. But... You know, they have no, as you say, no job, no home, no income, no family support, no car, no nothing. And yet they're still able to say, now, wait a minute, what is the best decision I can make given everything? And and that takes me back to, I think you used a phrase at, at one po- point, Lola, about unsung heroes. Yes. And and that's how I often view these ladies who make these challenging decisions because they're still doing the best they know how to do to take care of their baby. Exactly. And, and, that's and so making, making a plan of adoption is a parenting decision. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. And absolutely, they are unsung heroes because there perhaps is no more, there is no more difficult decision than an adoption. Mm-hmm. That's probably the hardest thing they'll ever do in their life is yeah. to place a child for adoption. And, and I like to use the word place because mm-hmm. many birth mothers will use the word which we hear in the community, oh, she gave her baby up. Oh. And I say, no, mm-hmm. you are not giving up your baby. I said, Mm -hmm. you are placing your baby Mm -hmm. because placing involves you giving this a lot of loving thought, okay? We give up bad habits like smoking and drinking and Mm -hmm. drugs, but we don't Mm -hmm. give up babies. You are not giving Mm -hmm. up your baby. You are placing your baby, and that helps to empower them to know I'm placing my baby. Right. I think I like that language, and I, I think I, I'm going to take it, <laughs> and I'm going to use it too, Lola, um, because I think that it is exactly, exactly as you say, very empowering, because that is how it's it's phrased in, you know, the culture. Oh, they gave this up, you yeah. know. No, it's not that. Like you said, you give up smoking, or you give up drinking, or some bad habit, but no, you don't give up a baby. Yes, and that, that brings me, um, I have many memories of many young ladies I've worked with over the years, and one young lady was 
not the typical birth mother in that she she did have her own job. She owned her own condo. She had she had family support. But what she did say to me is this. She says, Lola, I know I could be a good mother. She goes, but my baby son needs a father, and I can't give him that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so she placed him for adoption, and she learned the, the, the language of placing. And she typically was a kind of quiet, more passive personality type. And she says about two months after her baby was born and she placed him, she was at the mall shopping by herself, and she heard two young girls talking about uh, another girl who gave their baby up for adoption and was, were speaking of adoption in a very negative way. And she says, I don't know where it came from, but this other person came out of me, and I stood there, and I educated these young girls. And I said, your friend did not give up her baby. She placed her baby out of love. Mm. And there are a lot of young women that have to do this because of their circumstances, and we should not judge. Mm -hmm. And after she finished her education, the girl Mm. said, oh, I'm so sorry. You're right. Wow. And then there are two more people who can educate two more people (laughs) and so forth. Exactly, exactly. I mean, almost universally, the the phrase that I hear from these ladies is, I can't even take care of myself. There's no way I can take care of another person and especially a baby. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and many of them, um, Dr. Sanicola, you know, they're mothers already. They have other children. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yes, so they, they, they know what it takes to be a mom. Mm-hmm. They know that it's 24-7. They know that it's expensive to raise a child. And they say, you know what? I'm struggling with these two that I have. Mm-hmm. I cannot add another one because it would take away from the others. Right. And I think that's, I've heard that very commonly, that they want to be able to continue to give the best that they have to the children they already have. And they know, like exactly what you said is true, they know what it takes to have a newborn in the home and a toddler. And as the baby comes up, that the res- the internal resources, the physical and practical resources just aren't there for them. And they have the wisdom to see that. Exactly. And that's why I think everybody that is ever in contact with a birth mother, and we may over the years learn of people that, yes, she placed her baby, she placed her baby, they should only be supported or surrounded by support mm-hmm. and supportive mm-hmm. statements. Mm-hmm. Um, even, even when it comes to their hospital journey, their hospital experience, when they're there giving birth, for those two days that they have with their baby and the adoptive parents, it's really important that hospital staff that enter into their room, if they have anything to say at all about the adoption, that it's a positive, supportive mm-hmm. statement. Right. Because right. these young ladies are so vulnerable during those two days when they've given birth. Mm-hmm. Their hormones are raging. Their heart hurts. They're physically empty. They just need to be surrounded by love. Exactly. Surrounded by love. I think that, you know, I always think of it, every touch needs to be a loving touch. Every word needs to be a loving word. Because that, you know, we want to help people be loved through the circumstance. Exactly. That's what's so powerful. Many times I've witnessed adoptive mothers feel the birth mother's pain. Mm Mm-hmm. 
there at the hospital. They're usually there with the birth mother the whole time. And while it's the birth mother's hardest day in her life, it's one of the happiest days in the adoptive mother's life. Right. And they don't feel that they can show that joy because they feel her pain. They feel compassion for her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And many times I'll see them embrace in tears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's very powerful. And it, the birth mothers feel loved and supported by the adoptive mother. Right. And that's, you know, that's, uh, I certainly think that's the ideal circumstance. And we're getting ready to take one more quick break, and we'll be right back with my guest, Lola Reynoso. up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you happy with your financial life or are you like most people, underachieving with your income, working your tail off without the rewards you deserve? Are you going through a boom or bust cycle over and over again, hitting an inner set point? Perhaps you are struggling with the same old issues over and over again. Are your finances a source of peace or stress? Is your money the root of your problems or the path to your freedom and empowerment? If you answered yes to stress and problems, then it's time to ask yourself one more question. What else is possible? Sign up for Dr. Linda Sanicola's six-week Tapping into Wealth Coaching program by visiting drsanicola.com. This program is designed to help you break through your unconscious wealth set points and experience the true freedom, creativity, enthusiasm, and rewards you were meant to have. Get started today at drsanicola.com. That's drsanicola.com. Should there be more to your life? Do you need a change? Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young will provide empowering commentary each week to encourage you. She will interview successful personalities from movies, television, business, technology, health, and academia. All of them have amazing stories, resulting in transformed lives. You'll learn how to discover real happiness, financial success, and fulfillment to live your highest purpose. Join her on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and a replay Fridays at 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Women's Channel. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You are tuned in to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. If you want more information about Dr. Sanicola or our program, please visit drsanicola.com. Again, that's drsanicola.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everyone. We're visiting today with my guest expert in adoptions, Lola Reynoso. So we were, um, you know, talking about the various aspects of our unsung heroes, the birth moms and their lives and what they struggle with and, and the, you know, the intense connection, which I think is so powerful. 
Um, and before we get into more of that, Lola, I want to really thank you for your time today and so appreciate your knowledge and your willing to share um information that sometimes is kind of hard to come by for people it's it's as i said uh, there are a lot of myths and you know misinformation about adoption so i appreciate your time today oh you're welcome and can you tell people how they can reach you if they would like more information or you know maybe they know somebody who might be considering uh, um adoption or just would like to learn more about it Sure. Um, I can be reached at my email address, which is Lola Ray, L-O-L-A-R-E-Y, at sbcglobal.net. And also, my phone number is area code 310-686-6575. Great. Thank you. And and that is uh, Pacific time, folks, So just so you know. <laughs> Because um, we have listeners from all over, so um, I want to make sure you don't get too many 2 a.m. calls there. <laughs> um, well, you know, Linda, it's funny because in the field of adoption, we have to be available 24-7 because we never know when babies are going to be born. Right. Yeah. So, so you get I those 2 a.m. calls. <laughs> yeah. I say, you can call me at 2 a.m. The, the ringer will be off, but I'm going to get your message as soon as I wake up and I'll call you back. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, we never know when those babies are coming, that's for sure. Um, now, you know, I find myself wondering, um, you must have some beautiful stories. You must have some, like, things that really touched your heart. You know, could could you share a couple of those with us? Oh, yeah, I have, wow, uh, many, many situations that I've worked on, and I have... Probably the, well, not probably, the first adoption that I ever was involved in was when I was a social worker for Los Angeles County Children's Services, and I was placing older children for adoption, and I had a sibling group of three. Their ages were five, seven, and eight, and it was my goal to keep them together, mm-hmm. and Fortunately, I was able to find a, a couple that was not able to have children, and they were just dying to be parents. And they were open to adopting not only older children, but a sibling group of three. Wow. And uh, by the grace of God, this family was lovely and wonderful. And so I did the placement of the children, and I probably visited them for another year and a half to make sure everything was progressing well, and then over the years lost contact with the family. So fast forward, um, one of the girls is now in high school, and I happened to be making a home call somewhere in an area and had to stop to use the restroom at a Denny's, and she happened to be the hostess, and now she's a teenager. Oh, my goodness. She says, Lola, is that you? And I looked at her, I remember her face, and I said, oh, my goodness, and I'm going to use, I'm going to name her Sally today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sally, is that you? And she says, oh, my gosh, I'm so happy to see you. She goes, I'm going to graduate high school next month. Will you come to my graduation? <gasps> oh, wow. How and special. So I, reconnected, I reconnected with the family, went to the graduation, 
And then um, years passed, and then Facebook arrives on the scene. So about three years ago, I'm on Facebook, and I get a friend request from a Sally. And she says, are you the same Lola Reynoso that placed us for adoption when we were little kids? And there her beautiful face was. And and so now we're Facebook friends. Wow. And and she now is engaged to be married. Uh, She and her siblings are in their 30s. And I see her with these, she posts lovely things on Mother's Day about the most wonderful mother that she has. And her her father, unfortunately, passed away. But these Mm -hmm. adoptive parents that took these children and loved them up have just given them the life that they deserved. Mm. And it's just beautiful to see that these kids are loved. And there's no difference in the love an adoptive parent has uh, for their child as a child that's born to a a family. Right. I mean, love is love, and your children are your children. You know, I think that that's how it it, it should be. And last week, our our show was on agape love. And and as you're talking and sharing these examples, that's what it really reminds me of, that big love, the biggest love. And being able to, to create a family and share that love when... Previously, the couple or the family didn't have the opportunity for that. And just it just sounds so beautiful. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and do you keep like a, do you keep a, a photo album or something like that? That, you know, that, you know, people must send you cards and pictures and. I do. I get, oh, I get so many at Christmas time and it's beautiful. Um, I need to at some point sit down and organize all these photos, mm-hmm. and I have my adoption files in a section of my back, and I'm recently going through them to thin them out because I'm losing, I'm <laughs> don't have enough space. Mm-hmm. So I'm taking out staples and I'm taking out paper clips to make more room, and I'm looking at these children that I had the pleasure of being involved in their adoption years ago, and I look at the dates and I say, oh my goodness, these children are now in college. Right. That's you so know, These that's children so are beautiful. young adults. Yeah. How great. And I want to thank you once again for your time today. I appreciate it so much, Lola. Oh, you're welcome. I enjoyed being on your show. Thank you so much for what you do um, thank for you. our birth mothers as well. Yeah. You know, it's. Um, I've actually grown to really love doing this work for with the birth moms. I really do. So um, let's see. Next week, my guest will be Vicki T. Jones, a very interesting and inspiring young woman who will help us learn how to turn a bucket list into a list for living life to its fullest. As always, please visit and like my Facebook page at Dr. Linda Santacola. Thanks for listening. See you all next week. Thank you for listening. Be the best you can be with Dr. Linda Sanicola can be heard each Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We hope to have you join us again next week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.